Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis and they have a look back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Ryan George. He's the Chief Marketing Officer at DocuPace Technologies, a financial technology company focused on the wealth management industry. On the show today, Ryan and I talk about his pathway to become CMO at DocuPace and uh, the CMO role there and how every CMO role at every company seems to be just a titch different. We talk about the B2B marketing space, as well as his focus on content marketing and building expertise within an organization and how that can be a natural self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, uh, if you can get the mix right and get the motivations right. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ryan George. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Alan, for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Me too. I, I know we're going to get into some meaty topics, uh, but before we do that, I have to ask you, I've heard this story that you travel around with, with muscle to get job interviews. What's this, what's this about? I travel around with family muscle. No, I, I, I'm, as we were, were chit-chatting, as most people, getting your first job out of school is difficult. And uh, when I graduated from the uh, University of Texas at Austin, I wanted to stick around in Austin like, I, you know, like most people. But after 32 interviews or so, and my lease coming to an end, um, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to stick around in Austin. So I headed home to San Antonio. And luckily, 
my grandfather was the maintenance man at a mutual fund company. And um, the mutual fund company had basically the story was he came with the building. He would have worked at the maintenance as the previous owner of the building. And then when the mutual fund company bought them, he just kept showing up. And so they just kept using him. But uh, he was rather persuasive riding in the elevator with the CEO one day by uh, not letting him out until he agreed to to give me an interview. And that sort of set off uh, my career. So I'm thankful for my grandfather, for his tenacity and also his um, always advocating for his grandson. Sounds like a story straight out of New York or something, not San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, it's the Sicilian way, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about your career. So from early days of, of your grandfather forcing someone to interview you to being now the chief marketing officer at DocuPace, where'd you get your start and like, what have been some of the stops along the way? Well, that mutual fund company I was talking about was a company in San Antonio called uh, U.S. Global Investors. And I didn't start off in marketing and PR. I started off answering the phones as a registered rep. And registered rep is basically, you know, uh, sit there with a the headset on, a phone dings, and, you know, there's a client there ready to ask you a question. And it's definitely not what I expected myself to do right out of college, but it provided a tremendous learning platform for both learning how to work, learning how to be flexible, and also taught me the real business about the wealth management, which I've been fallen in love with and, and you know still here more than 15 years later. But that was my first role then at that company. Then I moved into about a year and a half in, I moved to a public relations role. And that was something where I really felt like I started, started to flourish, that public relations was my degree. And we happened to have a CEO and owner that really saw the value of PR and really saw the value of marketing. And that's something that has, you know, really provided me the opportunity to grow, uh, to try new things. And I can really credit for helping me get, uh, get my start uh, within the business. When did you make the transition from like public relations to marketing? Like how, that was that a natural progression, just taking on more responsibilities, that kind of thing? I know in your conversations with advertising, marketing, communications professionals, like there's always sort of an overlap there. Um, I think my transition from marketing, I was really as the two merged together. I think with my time at US Global, um, you know, it was started with just public relations and media. Um, and then we really started shifting into content um, and started a blog and social media. And so that naturally pivoted into a broader sort of marketing set. And, you know, we were able to work into like new skills and develop that, which things that maybe not traditionally were public relations, but now sort of, I think, sort of define a multi-skill set uh, marketing communications individual. Let's talk about the company you're at, DocuPace. And tell me, what do you guys provide and, and who do you service? DocuPace digitized the back office for wealth management firms. So if you've ever worked with a financial advisor or, you know, I could use a metaphor of buying a house, you know, they put a big stack of papers in front of you. Um, anytime they want to make a recommendation and you have to sign them, well, those papers go somewhere and that somewhere is the back office. And what DocuPace does is helps digitize and automate those processes. So it eliminates errors, make sure that the account is open uh, effectively, um, because you'd probably be surprised at the, the age with which a lot of the technology that runs the financial industry, it, it runs on. But DocuPace helps automate that and does it in a compliant way, because as you can imagine, it's a heavily regulated industry. So we normally sell to a larger registered investment advisors or RIAs or um, what they call independent broker dealers are our main clients. I imagine, I mean, besides the accuracy component, you're automating, I would imagine, a lot of steps for them. So 
making it easier to onboard new clients and make changes and things like that. Yeah. And on the surface, you know, businesses within the industry may look similar, but everybody's got these processes that they've decided to turn themselves into a bunch of unicorns. And so the flexibility of the DocuPace platform and our ability to help customize the workflows to to match their business, um, I think it's been something that's really helped uh, the company grow um, over its 19 years. The CMO role, as you know, I mean, it's it's never the same role any CMO you talk to. So as I think about your role, like what's included in your role as CMO at DocuPace? So let's see if I can rattle these all off the top of my head. So <laughs> there's marketing and communications, both internal, external, content creation, events, brand awareness, public relations, strategy. I think strategy is becoming a growing part of that. And then sort of customer industry insights, which you know, I'm not specifically in charge of the client experience here at DocuPace. We have a chief customer officer who oversees that, but I am definitely in charge of helping drive insights within that group, both from what the industry is best practice may be, as well as what our clients think about our brand and what our um, our service offering is. It's a pretty big scope for sure. And you're in the B2B space, of course. So like, how do you think about B2B marketing today? B2B marketing is one of those things that Sometimes I think it can be a trigger word for me because I think we, we tend to overthink it. I think B2B marketing today is really the best ones really understand that the human connection is really what matters. Um, you know, you want to trigger a smile in your possible buyer. You want to trigger intrigue and curiosity. And I think that a lot of the tools that you happen to have access to today have really sort of automated bad marketing at scale. So you have automation tools like um, we use demand base here at at DocuPace, we have a part on in place for marketing automation, CRM services, whether it's Salesforce or some other CRM are ubiquitous within the industry. You're able to get email addresses and be able to reach out to people's inboxes as much as you'd like, but they're not necessarily ready or wanting to hear your messages if you're not providing value. So if I, if I got one more sort of lead gen guarantee email in my inbox, my inbox may explode. Just because that's you know that's what seems seems to be the the B two B world today, but you know leads just don't come overnight. They come from knowing the customer, engaging with the customer, providing value to the customer, the possible customer, um, and then you know hopefully flipping them into being a, a buyer of the business. And I think with B two C, you know the sales cycles are real are much smaller. The general ask of what you're asking from the customer is smaller. And so I think with B two B, you just have to understand that you're building a relationship, not just selling a product. Exactly right. And really important. I mean, that whole notion of my inbox might explode if if I get one more lead gen request. Like, I, I totally agree. Uh, some days I feel like LinkedIn might be that my, my LinkedIn message inbox might do the same thing. Tools have become ubiquitous. I'm reading into your words, but it, maybe to paraphrase, it, it puts more emphasis on the value that you create and deliver through those tools, right? And in your business, is it is it more on the like the value prop and the like thought leadership about how to drive efficiencies or automation, or or do you lean on the personal side as well, like what they're trying to achieve or aspirations? I'm just curious how it might manifest itself. We're getting into like you know ABM account based marketing is something that's come up and has been a, a big growth area in the marketing industry, but. That's all good. And, you know, we definitely have an ABM strategy, but I think it comes down to really understanding the target that you're selling to. And to do so, I think it takes a little bit more effort 
than a tool can provide to you. And so what you really need, it's value proposition is one of them, but also demonstrating an understanding of their business, their challenges, and what they can do to help improve their business, I think is like table stakes in any type of business to business marketing situation. And that takes creating content, demonstrating expertise, and really living in the space. I think it's funny, we we have these cool tools that can help target and segment customers, but all we do, we, we think throwing their first name in the top of an email is actually customization when really all you're doing is just syncing in some CRM data. That, I mean, that doesn't it doesn't help them understand um, how to be a better business. And so that's that's something that I've tried to do is help find insights and, and find ways that we can help them build their business into, into something that they are made, not necessarily proud of. They're probably proud of today, but something that's more efficient um, and sort of can take them to the next level. Your thought about the like email in the subject line. I, I, one of those lead gen emails I actually opened the other day cracked me up. It was... Um, you always expect to get one of those that they just forgot to populate your name, like your name in the f- database that they're using was blank. It's just like percentage, percentage, first name, percentage, yeah, percentage. Exactly. Exactly. And this rep, uh, I thought was hilarious. He, he got it right in the first time. And, and then at the end he made like a joke about it. He put like percent hash, whatever, you know, first name, percent hash, whatever. And then he next to it, it was like comma, just kidding, Alan. But had you going, didn't I? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, at least you're having a little fun with this. I, I did read your email. I, re- I read a similar one where at least they had gone to our website, you know, looked at some like our in the news items and tried to comment on them. And at least, you know, like that actually got me to, to pay attention and got, got me to investigate. And I think that's what you're finding is there's authenticity. That's going to rule the day no matter what type of item you're trying to sell. Exactly. You mentioned content marketing and I'd love to know like how does content marketing like fit into helping to build your brand and and where do you think it fits in the marketing mix too? I'm a huge fan of content. I always have been a huge fan of content, probably even too much of a fan of content because I think there's so much value that can be derived from it if you create a good piece of content. And going back to the sort of tools and automation with this explosion and proliferation of bad content, I think good content actually makes can make, really make you differentiate your brand and make you stand out. And one of the things that I know at First Global we did was a pretty interesting take on, you know, as a professional services organization that was, we were selling wealth management into CPA firms. We had to demonstrate our knowledge of the business in order for these people to really take the risk and take the chance of letting us build a business on the back of their already successful business. And so... We had, we had about 200 or so employees, and we listed them out on ones we thought that expertise was a key part of their job and key part of their function. And we ended up with about 52% of the overall company really needed to be experts to be good at their job. And so we created a plan, got them engaged on our blog, got them engaged in media opportunities or speaking engagements. And really, I think we ended up with being more than like 75% successful and having people complete, which was like, it was four four engagements within the year. But the reason I think all that is important is that the learning that comes from creating content. So for instance, if I'm going to give a speech on a specific topic, I'm going to need to do some research. Well, I'll take it back. I should do some research in order to give a, a, a speech. If I'm going to write a blog entry on a new regulation, I'm going to take some time and actually do some learning in order to be able to articulate why that's important. And so I think there's a natural learning that a business can do to push its knowledge forward through the creation of content. And it, I think it really comes down to 
if you bring your valuable expertise to the marketplace, it's going to be consumed, especially with professional networks these days, like that it will be consumed if it provides value to the audience that you're trying to uh, pursue. I really like this notion that like learning drives your content strategy, your content development. I've never heard it articulated like that, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it also makes it fun. So if you think about, for me, like, let's not leave marketing just to the marketers, because I'm never going to have the, the a team that I need. I'm never going to have all the um, insights about the target that we're seeking. So I need to make sure I'm enrolling the experts throughout the business. And so if they're in this role, you would think they probably have some level of passion, hopefully a high level of passion about what they're doing. So you're really just, you know, providing an avenue for them to dive deep into the stuff they already love and care about. Absolutely. And, and the, the hardest thing to do, which is what you were successful at doing, is to get the pieces out, right? Like to, like to get them to deliver the speech, to get them to write the post, to participate in the research, whatever it is. And if you incentivize them with learning, it's really about learning on the upfront and you know, honing your craft, improving your craft. It just becomes more natural to do definitely does. And it also becomes self-fulfilling. So like if there's a department of five and two of those people are getting promoted on our website and promoting on our social channels, it, there's a pretty good chance that the other three that are in that department are going to want to be a part of that too. And so there's, there is some, um, I don't want to say uh, playing into ego, but it is, I'm proud of the people that we can help promote. I'm proud of being able to shine the spotlight, people who work alongside us. And I think that that's really what marketing as a megaphone for the business um, you know, we're not just a megaphone for the business, we're a megaphone for the people who work within that business as well. Well, competition always works too, right? To get to get the juices go and get people motivated to do do what they see other people doing. You mentioned something a minute ago I'm gonna pull back on, which is you said something getting everyone involved in marketing. And as you know, as a CMO, like everyone thinks they can be an expert in marketing. Like I've never had the CFO say, Alan come into my office. I need you to help with like the treasury function. But if you turn the tables around, the CFOs always want to tell me how my ad should be better or worse, or, you know, logo should be bigger or smaller <laughs> for some reason. Those conversations we all love, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if everyone thinks they can be an expert in marketing, like how do you handle the feedback you get as a CMO? I can say today I handle it better than I used to, right? So we're all a work in progress. I think embracing it is key. So a couple months ago, um, I'm a part of the CMO club. I know you're a part of the CMO club as well. We had a, a round table of all the CMOs that are members of the CMO club in the Texas region. And this was one of the questions. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's basically a scenario where the, the CEO of, of your business sits next to somebody on a plane and has this wonderful idea that has to be implement, implemented tomorrow and how to handle that. And of course, the conversation began with the complaints of all oh, rolling our eyes, we have to do that. And somebody, I wish I could remember who it is to give them credit. It's I will say it's not me, but to give them credit was, well, why don't you look and see, think about the idea and what value it does have. So instead of trying to push back and say, let all the ideas come from me, why not flip it and think of what is the kernel of good in that idea or the kernel of truth in that idea that you can blow up um, with your marketing efforts. And I think that was a good sort of aha moment for me of, hey, I don't have to be the source of all the marketing ideas in the business. I can actually leverage all these people around me to to market the business better. And I think that's something that I hope marketers can understand specifically more, you know, seasoned marketers can understand is that, hey, if all the ideas are coming from you, you probably have just squashed the creativity of the organization. I like how you flip that around, you know, and and whoever that was, we'll have to figure out who it is so we can promote them to you. You should just have the whole Texas region on your show. We can, yeah, we yeah, we, yeah, big panel. <laughs> exactly. That would be awesome. But the... I mean, I love the idea of, you know, look for the kernel of truth or the, the reason that they, that it's a good idea, because there probably is like there's something scratching at the surface that obviously, you know, the CEO picked up on may not be articulating it, you know, the need as well as, you know, the tactic, so to speak, you know, the, the action. Absolutely. And think about like, I sort of have this theory that marketing is at its best when everybody participates. And you think about going viral or other, you know, trying to get as many eyeballs as possible. What it really takes is getting that groundswell of people. Well, if they're seeing something that, that they think connects with them, ignoring it would just be sort of foolish. And I think the other side of it is, I think marketers can get frustrated. Of like, well, I brought, you know, to if you're speaking of the CEO, well, I brought you that idea six months ago and you didn't pay attention to it. It really doesn't matter. You're still going to get credit if it's successful. So, you know, we might as well do it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. One of the things you said, I, I believe you, I picked up on in your description of like your role and kind of all the, the various duties is, is a responsibility around culture and employee development. And I want to circle back on that. What does that look like? And maybe more importantly, like why should a CMO take something like that on? Just to clarify, I mean, it's not just a CMO. I think it's every leader's responsibility for employee development and for culture. Um, you know, it often gets delegated to just the human resources and the, and the talent division but they have so much on their hands. And so in partnership with marketing and other leadership, 
you know, we all have to take, so we're growing the culture and, and growing the people around us in our own hands. And I, and I don't mean specifically just your direct reports, because of course your direct reports deserve goal plans and deserve to be, to be grown, but sort of taking responsibility for people in others' department to make sure they're engaged and they have what they need is something that I think I wish leaders and I wish marketing leaders would do more. And it, maybe it's just, this could be just my view. I've had the benefit of working with very, very wonderful human resources professionals who, instead of being territorial, you know, quickly approached the marketing group to, to be able to amplify their efforts. And I think finding those partnerships are important uh, within the business. And I think even like when I back in my time at U.S. Global early on in my career, you know, partnering with compliance to be able to to get what we needed done instead of making them an adversary. And so I sort of developed this idea of marketing can be the state department for the corporation. And I know that the state department kind of can take several connotations, but what I really mean by that is we are the ambassadors, both internal and external for what the business is trying to do. So we work with people, different departments to make sure their projects come to fruition. We also work with third-party partners and the public and other stakeholders to make sure that we're marketing the business. And so if you sort of take that approach of dive in, drink the Kool-Aid, and then do what you can to make sure others drink it as well. It's probably a much more fun of existence of a marketing department than just trying to like throw a bunch of collateral out there or try to send a bunch of emails with wrong name of people in there. <laughs> right. It uh, makes a lot of sense that like driving towards partnership, collaboration with those critical functions to you know, whatever business you're in, I'm sure there are peer parts of the organization that just naturally marketing should be collaborating with for whatever reason, you know, you're in a regulated industry and so compliance makes the most sense, or you're trying to develop experts and knowledge experts and HR and talent is a, another area. I don't want to over, you know, stereotype the type of people who tend to work in marketing, but you know, I'm an extrovert who works with a team of extroverts. And so we could put those skills to work for other areas of the business, like accounting that are legal, that may not be extroverts, like they might not be able to help drive the culture forward as much as marketing could. And I think that that's, that's one of the things why I think it's really important for marketing to get involved in those efforts. Well, I, I love this conversation and, you know, the nuggets that you've shared already, but like one of the things I'm taking away from just all of the, the goodness is that this is marketing with no ego, right? Like, like this is, looking for the best idea, wherever that idea is coming from. It doesn't have to come from my group, my my mouth, helping to support and enable other functions so that the company wins in uh, greater, bigger ways. I don't know. I, maybe maybe you've got a tagline there, no ego marketer. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Some people may differ whether I have an ego or not. But I think my, my ego and where I derive from is winning for the organization. You know, like Seeing the organization move forward is what drives me successful. Seeing those grow is what makes it successful. I think uh, at some point you flip from their success is in expense of my success and you realize that their success becomes your success and you, you have that sort of rising tide. And I, I hope more people can get there because it, it took me a little while, but I think that's where I've landed and hopefully where I'll stay. I want to switch gears. Uh, one of the things we like to do is talk about the business and then talk about you a little bit. And, uh, and then we'll get back to marketing before we close out. One of my most favorite questions to ask is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I'll give you two. One is real quick and unintentional and one is much more intentional. So the unintentional one was 
when I, I had no idea that I would try to go into a marketing or, or PR field, I applied to business school as a first choice. And I thought public relations sounded fun. And so I checked the box as a secondary choice when I was applying to UT back in high school and didn't get into business school and got into PR. And it didn't take me too long to know when I got into PR that, hey, I, I happen to have a latent skill set that I can grow and nurture. So that's a random experience that actually I just happened to get, you know, open up a pathway that's led to a, a fulfilling career. The, the intentional side, which I think is probably more important, is this acceptance of that we all believe that, especially these days, that work should be fulfilling and it should have purpose, but that I was only going to accept the work that's fun. And I know that sounds sort of trite, but if you bring fun to the work and sort of can step into the spotlight and be able to bring others along with you, I think that that it will, can change your whole mindset and your whole day-to-day work is if you just have fun doing it. You know, marketing is one of those things we get to have so much more fun and do so much more cool stuff than a lot of other departments. And like, shame on us if we're not having fun doing it. Right. You know, a hundred percent agree with that. And you're going to give your best if you're having fun doing what you're doing too. So it reinforces itself. I mean, think of Zoom meetings. So I, you know, we work with different outside partners. We have a PR firm. That's great. We have a marketing firm. That's great. You know, I really want those calls because these people are working for us. And I want those calls, the weekly check-ins or the bi-monthly check-ins we have with them to be the most fun that person is going to have every day. Now, we still get the work done and we still remain professional. But, you know, having fun, I think just, you know, when Outlook pops up that, you know, you have this meeting with so-and-so in 15 minutes, I want them to be excited about that meeting coming up, not dread, oh, God, we have to talk to them again. What advice would you give to your younger self if you're starting all over again? I'm sure you probably hear this a lot, but to have more balance. Too often, I think I define myself in what I did versus who I was. And as I've gotten older, the professional was way overweighted. And things like being a father, husband, son, brother, friend were underweighted. And I, you know, through different changes in my career and ups and downs, I think I've made the realization that I need to be much more balanced across those different profiles in order to really be the self that I want to be. And I think because the, um, but I think it's it's difficult because. When, especially when you're younger, there's so many different areas of your life that you you don't have full control over, right? So I was single. I didn't have full control over whether I was going to meet my future wife or not. But I could be darn good at my job, right? Because I could work hard and, and I could spend extra time and I could do it. And so I think a lot of times young professionals throw themselves into work and it's not hard to get lost in that. And I, I wish I could go back and maybe do them some things a little bit differently. This next question is a little silly, but I like asking it because I get I build my shopping list, so to speak. Has there been an impactful purchase of $100 or less for you in the last six to 12 months? So I'm going to give you an answer that I think you probably haven't heard before. (laughs) And yes, it's Crayola Twistable Colors. And the reason for that is I have a two and a half year old daughter named Elizabeth and I can hear her saying, my colors, my colors, in the, in the background of my head right now. And I bought her a big pack of those colors probably four or five months ago. And I have been spending the first hour of my day, not every day, probably five to six days a week with her, one-on-one de- time dedicated with her. And I would say nine times out of 10, it, it comes back to using those colors. And so that bit amount of money um, has been able to you know, give me that time that it, I think going back to my previous question about finding more balance, 
I think you know, that purchase has had a huge impact on me personally and hopefully my daughter as well. I have to check that out. Are they like crayons or? Yeah, they're crayons that they twist like some of similar to like a, a, a pencil where you think you can run them down and then twist them and they, they extend more. It, it's just fun and they fit in her hand well. And it, it's just, it's been a great, it's been a great expense. It's so much fun having, you know, um, being able to, you know, do simple things like color with her. I mean, she just like other people say they need to start their day with exercise. Starting my day, being a dad and spending one-on-one time with her, I think is helps the rest of the day go well. That's a great answer, and I'm gonna check those out. My my daughter's a little too old for crayons now, but they're never too old. I'm just I, kidding. Well, I I always joke with people that I actually when we were used to travel, I would travel around with actually a pack of crayons in my in my bag. It was more of a gag than anything else because I'd say, you know, well, I'm going to see the CEO today. I've got my crayons ready. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not with that CEO anymore, by the way. But yeah, I was just. Thinking. It, it's always fun. So I've got to check these out. I'm a big fan of the Crayola anything, and uh, they sound really cool. Two more questions for you about marketing. You know, stepping back, wondering if there's any brands, companies, or causes that you're taking notice of or you think other people should. From a causal standpoint, I think the brands that have really made an impact on me, especially this past year, are the food banks. So there's two food banks that my wife and I get to, one called the North Texas Food Bank and another in the San Antonio Food Bank. And I think their marketing during really, really difficult time has been tremendous. So I, that, that's from a causal standpoint. In my business, I, I pay attention to what I think are the best sort of Mount Rushmore in the business, like Risk Allies or Orion Advisor, Redtail or Investnet. Those four probably, if I could get to Occupace to market ourselves like them, then I think we'd be in good shape. But personally, I think what's going on with the streamers is the best. Because there is so much content and it's so much good content and so much fragmentation that just a shred of attention is tremendously valuable. And I think the way that they're battling each other to, you know, whether it's social, you know, even billboards and emails and all those things, I think the way that they're doing release schedules and getting earned media and all those things, I mean, it's just amazing what Disney Plus and Netflix and Amazon Prime and those others have been able to do. Because, I mean, that to me, they have probably the most money of all marketers right now, but also are doing some of the coolest stuff. That is a fascinating place to look. And it's kind of funny because it's bringing people to their to their app and it's so much content. Like if I just look at my Netflix library as one example, like it's seemingly endless. Hey, have you ever thought about how much time you scroll versus how much time you watch <laughs> and what the imbalance may be? Because that's yes. that's a little embarrassing for me. It is it, like especially if you've like been binging a season of something and you're at the 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 end, the dreaded end, you know, and you're like, well, what do I watch now? I don't know how many times I've watched like started watching an episode and I'm like, nope, and I go find another one. I watch like 15 minutes. I'm like, nope. Such a random thought, but if you remember the end of the Truman Show sort of preceded that all of it at the end of the Truman show, you know, Jim Carrey walks out of the thing and says goodbye and they show all the people that had been watching the show. And there's like a gentleman who looks at it next to the person and says, well, what do we want to watch now? And they, they, they go on to their life. So, I mean, that's, that was sort of creativity and art coming into real life as we are today. That's a good point. I haven't seen, I haven't watched the Truman show in a while. I forgot about that, but you're so right. Well, one more question for you. Last question. As a marketer, what do you feel like is the largest opportunity or threat for other marketers right now? 
So I'm an optimist. So I'm going to give you the threat. To me, it's very simple. I think more, our jobs will only become more difficult. I know that sounds that sounds like that may be a contrarian view, but you know, more difficult to grab attention, cut through the noise, show people that you're different to grow your business. I mean, there none of this is going to be easy moving forward. And I think to where we started the conversation talking about making that connection with people. I mean, I think that's the only way people are really going to stand out. So I think that part is is something that doesn't give me pause, um, but it is showing that, hey, we have to stay on our game. We have to make sure we're up to date on what people are need and, and be very, very close to the people that are buying our products or services. I agree with you. It, it, the world is only getting more cluttered with stuff, right? And uh, and lives are getting more and more complex. Uh, marketers were in, in some form or fashion, we're trying to make sure our message gets heard. It's definitely getting tougher. Get heard um, and be able to convince somebody to take action all in a millisecond, right? Right. Easy peasy. Yeah, exactly. No, no. Well, at least it's job security, maybe in the long term, in the long run. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you much. Hey, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.